listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Hi, Red Church. We're in our third week looking at Abide. In our series, Our Lives, His Vision. Over the past two weeks, we've looked at the heart of why we abide, that we are designed to be in relationship with God. We need His presence in our lives to bring change. Last week, Ryan explored the biblical context for abiding, that we are designed to remain in the vine, that we will be cut and pruned but to produce more fruit for the kingdom, and that we need to choose to actively remain with God. This week, we're going to get practical. It's time to look at how do we encompass that in our everyday? What does it look like to grow in our ability to abide with God? And what are some of the things we'll come up against? If you haven't had a chance to listen to the other sermons prior to this one, I encourage you to do so. They're all designed to weave together and we refer to a lot of it in this sermon. We thought it would be great to start the conversation by talking to someone who's just written a book about quiet times, one of the key ways that we abide with God. So we're going to chat to Brian Heasley. He is the International Director of 24-7 Prayer in Great Britain, and he's just written a book called Be Still. So let's have a listen to hear what he has to say about this really important way that we imbibe with God. Well, Brian Heasley, fantastic to have you with us. Uh, we are really wanting to talk to you about um, something which I think is key to the Christian life, and it's really the idea of having a quiet time or a daily time with God. And you've written a book, uh, Be Still. Uh, what was the subtitle of that again? Be Still. A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. Which is, um, I think, a fantastic resource. Um, I guess the first question is, um, why did you feel like you um, wanted to write this book? And I guess that is linked to, like, what, why is it important for us to have a quiet time? I think I've got two sons that are 25 and 23 years old. And I was thinking about what would I like to say to them, not in a kind of like I'm about to leave or anything like that, but just how did I get from 20 to 50 as a Christian? And when I started to reflect and look on that, circle back on it, I realized that one of the key components had been a quiet time. So it wasn't always uh, I had some very transformational moments in meetings. I've heard some great teaching. There's been lots of you know experiential stuff that's happened to me throughout the throughout my years. But one of the one of the things that has really helped me to grow and to develop a rhythm as a Christian that is sustainable was a quiet time. So I thought, well, now if I could step back even further, Mark, and unpack what a quiet time was, that would really help a a younger person who is thinking about how do I progress in my Christian faith and build something in that kind of goes beyond goes beyond the, the congregational element of what we do, of which I'm totally and absolutely believe in. But I, I think I was quite, I'm quite struck by the idea of diet and exercise is the best way to get fit. And sometimes I think we, we can be guilty of just like dieting, you know, or just eating good food, you know, let's get along on Sunday, eat the meal. But exercise for me is like the, the, the you know, you need to do both. Any doctor, any physician will tell you, you need to do both. So kind of, that that was the the feel of it without trying to create a, a resource that would help people develop a quiet time that wasn't going to be religious or heavy but was going to actually just be a real tool i, I was struck by uh, in genesis 3 i was reading a really old commentary by a guy called ellicott and he talks about when when adam and eve walked in the garden he said the the reflexive conjugation of the hebrew verb was walking for pleasure I just, I just love that idea that, and, and then he goes on to say, and it would also imply that it was a regular occurrence. 
So, so there's this kind of sense that right at the beginning of the Bible, there's God had in place this idea that he would walk with man regularly for pleasure. I mean, mankind, man and woman regularly for pleasure. And so that, that for me became the basis of the book, really. What, how do I encounter God on a daily basis in my quiet time? And so it's really, it, it takes the quiet time, but it builds on that sense of walking for pleasure, not just here's my list of things I need to be, get done today. God, here's my intercession stuff here, all of which are valid and relevant. But how do I walk for pleasure and grow in my experience and understanding of God in doing that? So, so that's kind of, yeah, roughly that sort of thing. So there'd be lots of people hearing that and really keen to do that, but also have an experience of struggling. So what, what would be your advice to people who are struggling to integrate this, this rhythm into their life? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I come at this from 30 years of trying and some days it works and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. I, I think one of the big things that, that used to get in my head was I don't want to be religious i.e. I don't want to kind of do something out of like just dull, boring routine. And then I was looking and I, I actually read about what does religious actually mean? And it means relating to or manifest, manifesting faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. And then I thought, I kind of do want to be religious. I do want to, you know, be faithfully devoted. So, so it was kind of like trying to deal with my religious question and getting that in the right balance. And then just starting to think about, well, well, Kind of, I don't always remember what I had for breakfast on Tuesday, Mark. But but it was good for me, you know. And I think we kind of live almost in a in a culture where if it's not like it, it has to be a big moment, a highlight, a big experiential moment. But sometimes porridge is just porridge, and it's good for you. And so sometimes I'm just thinking I've got to put some things in place in my life that are just good for me. They won't always give me goosebumps. They won't always make me feel like. You know, and I, I did. I did a little bit in the book about sometimes the Bible is boring. And Tracy and I, my wife and I, were like, oh, "Can you really say that?" I don't mean it is boring, but there are moments where you just have to kind of like eat the porridge, and and it's good for you, and you get it into your soul. I think the big thing for me was like was looking at the Bible, actually looking at Scripture as well. Like I think uh, you spend the average person spends 150 minutes a day on social media in in multiple forms. Uh, the Bible Society say that to read the Bible in one year, you, you if you just read it for 15 minutes a day, you'd read the Bible in a year. So, so one tenth of my social media time given over to reading the Bible would actually enable me to read the Bible in one year. And that's for, I don't follow plans, but that would just be four chapters a day. And so, so that sort of stuff really started speaking to me. And then, and then I guess as well the idea of memorizing scripture. I was, you know, if you read Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart and I've hidden his word in my iPhone. You know, other devices are available. But, but, and there's a whole study around memory and how memories changed. And, and it's not actually what we remember, it's what we remember where to go to for the knowledge. So we don't, we don't, we can't store it all on here, but we know, I know how to get to it. But I do think there's something kind of quite spiritual about, hiding God's word in our heart, you know, and that, and for me, that became a little bit about memorizing the scripture, you know, writing out Bible verses time and time again, and just getting them into my heart. I'm, I'm kind of struck in Mark where Jesus takes the disciples out, where the disciples go to the other side, big storm blows up, and he gets up and he says, peace be still, 
And he kind of crossed with them. He says, where's your faith? All of that kind of stuff. And I do wonder if they had forgotten his words at the beginning, which is we're going to go to the other side. So in the middle of the storm, they forgot the word of God. And I, I, I'm kind of really, I, I really think that as a generation, we need to embed God's word in our hearts so that we have verses for the storm, you know, to help us get. So, so when my mother died, my dad had certain verses that helped him. When, when we moved to Spain as missionaries, we didn't have a lot of money. My wife had certain verses that helped her through the storm that she memorized. My, one of my children suffers a little bit of anxiety. So he's memorized certain verses on peace that help him through the storm. So we have, we, we hide it in our heart. And so I, I think that's kind of quite important. So I, I, I look at that quite a lot as well, Mark. So that would be, a, that would be helpful. That's, it's, it's a small part of what I'm trying to say, but I know I've not got long. To, sorry, don't want to preach. I love the, I love the porridge. I, I remember reading that Scot, Scotland's health, heart health decreased yeah. uh, at the same level as porridge intake increased. Probably no one was like, you know, celebrating the porridge, yeah. but it actually it had such a health benefit. Um, I guess lastly, what would what would be the one tip if someone's listening, going, I want to start a quiet time, or I want to improve my quiet time? What what would be your top tip to give them? Where's your garden? Where's your place where you walk with God? So where? So for me in the morning, it's a chair, and so where's my chair? I sit in a chair in the morning, and I think location is incredibly important. Matthew six verse six, Jesus says, when you go away. You know, lock yourself away in a little storeroom uh, with the Greek word is tamion, which means like it's almost like this place without any windows. Uh, and, and the only probably the only RT France says it was possibly the only room in the in the in the whole house that you could lock the door to. So find this space of going away. And so I've got a chair. I've got a friend who used to pray in his car that became his. And I mean, when it was interesting, when he first started dating his new girlfriend, who's now his wife, he opened his door and he went, welcome to my sanctuary. And she thought it was all a bit creepy. But but find that space to pray, I think, is is create the time and create the space. And I think that's almost like there has to be a degree of intentionality around that. So I go to the chair every morning and I kind of get the sense of sitting into it, sinking into it and feeling like oh, this is the space. But I also I think the, the chair could be the gym. You know, like I've got, like I was saying, I've got two sons. So when I'm bench pressing in the gym, not very heavy, but, you know, like when I'm there, I, I, I treat it almost like this kind of spiritual exercise where I'm lis- lifting Ellis and Daniel up to God in the, you know, as I push out. And so it's it's almost taking some of the ordinary things that we have in our lives and making them spiritual. But I, I genuinely believe that an intentional set aside space every day is really important, even if it's only for 10 minutes. So I now mine is mine has grown from ten minutes to an hour or so, but that's you know that just happens over time because you have more and more to talk about. And I've got more disciplines in there. So find where's your chair, where's your garden, where's that? I think look intentionality around location is a really good beginning spot. Well, this has been fantastic, Brian. When is the book out? Oh, it's not till October, man. It's like really, it's like, yes, we've got one. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And uh, my real prayer is that people hear this and are inspired and in our church begin a quiet time, but also the, the people who, uh, I guess, hear your message also begin a quiet time and a whole new generation has that word planted in their hearts. Thank you so much for sharing uh, with us here at Red Church. Thanks, Mark. Bless you, man. What a gift to be able to hear from Brian, someone who's been following Jesus for many years. I'm sure there was heaps of things that stood out for you in that conversation. One of the things that really struck me was his honesty around looking at quiet times and struggling with it becoming this religious task. 
I've certainly had that wrestle, but feel challenged by that definition that is actually being faithfully devoted. That makes me want to consistently turn up morning after morning. And as we go forward, part of what we're wanting to do today is actually take some practical steps, make some choices. Our faith is actually based on those things. Your choice to follow Jesus has had a significant part to play in your life. And so a decision today to change something will also have a big impact. So why don't you grab a pen and your notebook or open up the notes on your phone because we're going to ask some questions throughout and give you space to reflect on these. To start off, I want to ask, considering your current rhythm of abiding, in one year from now, will you look more like Jesus? If that is a no, then these are the two questions I want you to reflect on. What is one thing today that you can do to change that? Brian said we need to be intentional with our quiet times. What is one thing you can do today to change that? And the second question is where are you going to walk with God? Where is your space to do that? We'll give you some time to reflect. We all have different schedules and capacities in our weeks and in our days. So what it looks like for us to be intentional might vary. But what is the same is that we all need to remain in the vine. So as we look at what it means to be more intentional, we need to think about ways that perhaps we need to add in discipline and rhythm to our lives. What are ways that we can bring God into our everyday? The way that Ryan shared last week. Secondly, it might be taking something out. We might actually have to create space, be intentional in that. And another way is maybe just alter the way that we already have our lives. Again, Ryan gave such a good example that he doesn't have the hour to sit in the morning with God, but he prayed with his son as he walked to school. Let's alter some of the ways that we abide with God in our everyday. We need to be people who can be interrupted by God. And we need to treat it like a relationship. I don't know about you, but I don't find myself sitting down with my friend, giving them 10 minutes and asking them to give me insight in that moment. Sometimes that's what we do with God. And I know I've been prone to that myself. But actually, our relationship with people is very similar to our relationship with God. Sometimes we need to spend hours with someone and certain conversation and certain topics only come up when you have that time. What does that look like for you and God? There's that rhythm that you might have in the morning, but are there spaces where you get to feast and just sit with him for hours and allow those things to rise? What are the ways that we can snack with God or just sit with him in the incidental? I really like the way that Brian talks about it, like eating porridge, that it sustains us. Sometimes we don't remember what our quiet time was like a couple of days ago, but that was really key in sustaining us in today and going forward. Our relationship and our abiding with God can look very similar to what it is to do a relationship with others. And so it's time to reflect again. I'm going to ask a couple more questions. Does your current rhythm of abiding with God ignite your desire for him? And if that is a no, or if it's something that you want to grow, is it time to try a new pathway? So what are those pathways? Well, there's many different ways that you can encounter and spend time with God. Some of the key things or ways that you do that is through prayer, worship, scripture, being in nature, maybe even sitting in silence with him. There are numerous resources out there. We're going to have a list at the end of the service for you to look at. But remember that there are many people who have gone before us who have built these rhythms in their lives so we can learn from. Ancient prayers, 
There's power in praying scripture. There's power in just writing worship, singing worship, and letting it wash over you. So let's look at different ways and pathways to spend time with God. And let's also remember, as Brian said, sometimes it's going to feel dull. The Bible may seem boring. That's also okay. We have these moments of it feeling dry. Mother Teresa went through a really long period of not hearing from God. She couldn't find him anywhere. And she wrote in her journal at that time, Though I never feel you again, I will seek to love you like I. you have never been loved before. I love that her heart was to love God, irrelevant of whether she felt his presence or whether it was a profound moment or whether it seemed like he turned up. Because we abide because of him, not to seek what he can give, not his gifts, but him. And it grows our relationship with him. He is so expansive. There are so many parts of God that we are yet to know and understand, just like other relationships. As we take him into the everyday, as we engage with him, we encounter new parts of who he is. And actually, that's really exciting. So what is a potential new pathway for you to abide with God? It's also really valuable to remember that no matter in what you're engaging in, you don't have to create something momentous. Actually, when you abide with God, you're stepping into the kingdom. You're stepping into truth that's already there. For me, I've found it really profound in moments where I feel lost, where I maybe haven't heard from God, where I'm feeling completely um, under threat with lies to actually pray scripture and to know that there's power in it because of what Jesus has done, because there's truth in it, to take a word and just speak it out. In my quiet time, in that moment, I might not feel any different and often I don't. But over time, things change because you're declaring the kingdom. And so when you spend that time with God, you're stepping into the kingdom. You don't have to manufacture something. The different pathways teach you different ways to declare and speak of who God is and encounter him in that way. So the key things for abiding is we need to be intentional. We need to create space. We need to be persistent. We need to keep coming back whether we feel like God's there or not. It can't be based on our feelings. He says he's going to turn up, that he will be there, and we trust in that. And finally, remember it's a relationship, that this is lifelong, that's going to change and grow because we follow a living God. And so it's time for another question. Considering this, considering what it looks like to abide, who in your world can you share this with? Who can you ask to keep you accountable to make that change to abide with God, to choose a different pathway, to have a new rhythm? Maybe it's someone in your huddle, but someone in your world. Who can you share this with and ask you to keep them accountable? I am so excited by the decisions you've made today to abide with God, to grow in that. That's going to have a really significant impact on your life, but not just your life, those around you. And so as we finish up with abide, we look forward to exploring more of what it means to follow Jesus, that actually it doesn't stay with just being with God, that in that process of abiding, he's going to renew us. And then as we're renewed, we go out to be his hands and feet. And so we look forward to exploring that more. But for now... As Brian said at the beginning, the gift is that God wants to spend time with you, that he wants to be with his people just as he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he promises this throughout scripture. There are many people just like you and I who asked this question, will you be with me? Mm -hmm. Isaac, 
who was invited to build upon the promise of Abraham. God says, I will be with you, Isaac. He says it to Jacob to go back to his homeland, to face the past. He says to him, I will be with you. Moses, who doesn't know that he can stand before Pharaoh and speak, and God says, it doesn't matter, I will be with you. Joshua, a young leader, ready to step up and lead the nation of Israel, God says to him, I will be with you. Gideon, leading into battle, I will be with you. Solomon, leading a nation, God says, I will be with you. The nation of Israel, even in exile, he never leaves them or forsakes them. He says to them, I will be with you. And finally, Jesus, who was God with us, says to his disciples, says to us, surely I am with you always. Not only that, after Jesus ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who leads us and guides us to know more of God, who teaches us what it means to abide with him, to understand more of that. That's his gift to say that he will be with us. Just as these promises were made to the people throughout the Bible, so it is for you. God says to you, I will be with you. And so as we take time in this week, as we step into abiding with him, creating that space, we can be sure that he will turn up, whether we feel it or not. Maybe today, as I've asked those questions, nothing's come up. That's okay. What would it look like this week to get up a little bit earlier, to sit with God and to pray the prayer and thank him that he will be present, that he is with you? And remember, Holy Spirit empowers us, shows us where those blockages are, encourages us to come back to the word, brings things to life. He is with you now. And so I'm going to get you to stand because I'd love to pray as we step forward into abiding with God in new ways and allow him to change and transform our life. So please join me as I pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that your heart is always to be with your people. I just pray for every person who's written something down or who's thought about what they want to do to change, that it all comes back to seeking you. And I just pray for your blessing over that. I pray for courage to continue to step in when it might seem hard. Holy Spirit, may you awaken us as your people. May you continue to ignite our love and desire for God as we abide with you. We declare these things in the power of Jesus' name for your kingdom and for your glory. We love you. Amen.